Welcome on the green track. My name is Dikte and I'm your host on this podcast about travel. The aim of this series is to explore the intersections and relationships between leisure, tourism and human mobility under the term of travel. We are now at our second stop in season two on the green track and we have arrived at episode eight together with many new listeners. So welcome to you all. I'm happy to have you on this journey. I find this stop important because the conversation that we are about to listen to illustrates the various ways in which we can understand sustainability or reorientation of our current consumption. It particularly reminds me of episode seven with Professor in Economics Timia Teparik, in which we talked about how there are systemic issues in our economic systems that actually determine our level of consumption, depending on economic status, etc. But in this episode, we zoom in and look at the individual's responsibility to reframe consumption. And this is argued to be particularly important when we are visitors or tourists. In order to understand why there are so many avenues to reach the same destination, in this case, the health of our environment, our future and ourselves, I think the guest for this episode, Dr. Renuka Takora, gives us a really good image to apply in order to understand the complexity. And it includes an elephant, but I won't say much more. So let's start the journey. First, I uh, want to say thank you so much for joining this episode, Dr. Renuka Takora. I am really honored to have you with us on the green track to talk about travel and the road to sustainable justice. Thank you. Thank you very much, Dikte. Um, it is a pleasure to be here and I'm delighted. I'm excited to just talk to you and see what we come up with. It is really a big topic that we're going to dive into, but I'm so excited to hear your insights on this matter. So instead of wasting more time with talking about how big this topic is, I'll just dive right into the introduction. So Dr. Renuka Takora, you are a researcher in built environment practices in sustainability, and you also hold a PhD in this field, and you are advising and teaching in environmental management systems such as green procurement and in the supply chain. And particularly in your teachings, you focus a lot on how to engage students and support the delivery of sustainable and innovative construction at the University College of Estate Management. And as construction work is indeed one of the world's biggest emission outlets today, as far as up to 39 of the world's carbon emissions, I believe that estate management is really important to get more out in the open and on people's agendas so that they require the local government to support more sustainable implementations and construction developments. But would you first perhaps tell us your journey into coming to thinking about this field and why you entered that kind of field in the first place? Thank you very much. Thank you. You are taking me back to about 40 years now, thinking what I, <laughs> I have went through. I was in a construction business with my husband for last 30 years before I moved to UK. Uh, so 
I had a vast experience there. And I definitely looked at this construction practice and especially management and uh, the use of resources. And then also without having any knowledge of sustainability or how it impacts our environment, we always try to use less resources. And also we had some requirements of uh, planting trees wherever we did our development. Uh, but it never struck to me that this is uh, an issue of how we are using our resources. But when I moved to UK, I really found uh, that environment management was a buzzword that time. I'm talking about nearly 18 years before. And uh, it was a developing, uh, you know, it was an emerging field where everyone was trying to understand what we can do through these management systems and how we can manage our environment, resources, and so on, and uh, decrease our impact. And I fortunately got a contract to go to households and work on curb cycle scheme to understand what people were doing and how we can make this effective way of managing our household waste. And that started my journey towards this. And alongside, I went to back to my education. I, went, I did my BSc in environment management, uh, and I got also qualified as a registered auditor for environment, uh, you know, auditor and training and all sort of those things from IMA. And then I got an opportunity to do a master's course in sustainability in build environment practices because I wanted to bring these two fields together, which I was very passionate about. Sustainability from environment, I got into sustainability. And then also I had the background of construction already. So I wanted to bring those together and master's course did a very good job in a sense of uh, giving me a wider perspective of how we can implement sustainability in all this built environment. So yeah, working with UCM has been a very, very incredible uh, experience because we have students coming from like, I, especially in my class where I do sustainable and innovative construction, like every term we have between 300 to 600 students from 100 and like 90 to 140 countries so it's a vast vast experience and we get an understanding of where what these different countries have different practices in how they are at uh, different levels of their journeys towards this sustainable construction and it is a uh, very broad experience which uh, allows me to gain actually gain education from these students you know and I try to build on my expertise there so uh, I think I have experience as a practitioner educational and also this academic world so yeah a real broad education one must say I think that'll benefit us a lot on this conversation I also just took notice of what you said about like how you came to first work with construction and maybe there are many places where you do actually do have a sustainable practice with construction work. 
but you you don't necessarily use the same wording or like the same phrases to describe it. It's it has just been culturally practiced to build in this way that is actually regenerative or like sustainable, but you don't have the words for it. Then in, in the UK you have this whole like new word sustainability and and that has to kind of be implemented into how you do construction. And I just find it interesting how some have words for it as it's some sort of external thing, but also some people just do it and have done it for centuries. Now, when we talk about like the word sustainability, I must say that I am getting more and more confused by this term. And I also do notice how like some environmental like activists and creatives are hesitant in applying the word nowadays, or they put it in quotation marks. And I'm on this journey myself, and I'm really trying to understand this term uh, based on my own beliefs and values, but also influences. And so sustainability is this kind of continuous learning process. But to me, sustainability is also a disruption of an unjust system of something that is not just like extracting, but also giving back to earth and also giving back socially, culturally. And I will be keen on hearing your journey as a person who has experienced uh, so practically and theoretically working with this term. Like how did you come to understand sustainability back in the days? And does it mean something else to you today? Uh, that's that's a very good question. And I think this is puzzled by everyone, everyone who starts this journey or who is on the journey as well. Um, I would like to tell you an example of, you know, elephant and the blind man. I think you must have seen heard this story many times, but it is a good example that if there is an elephant in a room and there are few uh, people who are blind and have never experienced an elephant before, and if they touch each part of elephant, they would think or relate to whatever they have experienced before. And everyone will be confused with that explanation to the others, like others will be confused with each one's experience. that what are they feeling and they would never know what that creature is or whatever is in the room so you have to uh, actually and there is another also saying about elephant in the room you know that it is a very big issue but everyone is trying to ignore it or not discuss it because it is a very vast issue so I think we have to come out of that individual parts and take a macro view and probably we might understand. I think when we encounter anything, we experience according or understand it depending on our limitations or our experience in the past, isn't it? And this, though sustainability is actually coming from prehistoric time in the sense of like you know we have to sustain our life but we never thought about new things as sustaining our nature sustaining our economy and so on we have always thought about sustaining just ourselves myself maybe for me or ourselves or maybe our family but we haven't thought about a whole big global environment as ours and we have never owned that global 
earth is ours and we need to care and we are the carers this this type of understanding has been rare and so i think again those who have been able to apply and have become more leaders in sustainability however they haven't been yet able to decrease inequality you know and i am talking about inequality in a broadest sense not only in poverty but also in the opportunities of doing something towards your earth opportunities of resources opportunities of education opportunities of understanding and having applying this and so on so i even though we can say that yes we are good at sustainability but that is again from our own context isn't it how good i am at particular things have i understood what is not received or what i have externalized to others and these questions arise from everyone's perspective so what it means to me is that i should go out of my limitations try to engage with other perspectives and that is what i think i have done through my recent development of network i have initiated a network i won't go into deep into that for now but a network or engaging with others perspective bringing their context is very much important in understanding sustainability and what you mean or how others mean and how you want to go forward together on your journey of sustainability now you just touched upon it so let's just continue on that road so you are the founder of this global sustainable futures progress through partnerships network and as far as i've understood it the aim of this network is to increase synergies and partnerships in research education and the delivery of the sustainable development goals and just to make sure that we are all on board here can you maybe explain to the listeners and to me what sustainable development goals are and how you work with these in order to decrease social economic cultural and environmental injustices that's very good question and a dear to my heart <laughs> uh, sustainable development goals i have adopted these sustainable development goals as my framework for my network and specifically so that i can reach out or maybe not lose out any sector or section of the world and i'm i would like to share a, a little uh, understanding of the sustainable development goals that they build on millennium development goals okay millennium development goals uh, set up a way forward to develop these sustainable development goals and actually these goals were developed in consultation or uh, like with the discussion of 80 million people and that's why i'm proud of that development that framework because it is for the people and by the people okay and there were many many negotiations at multi layer and multi dimensional negotiations and talks and discussions which later on 
were developed into these goals. And you will be surprised that how these different goals can achieve a sustainable lifestyle. And many of them have been critic. I know there are, you can never be in consensus with everyone. So there are critics, yes, and, and they are appreciated as well. However, this goal is like a magic Rubik. Rubik, like you can start from one point and get to the end. So if you start from the poverty, let us take a poverty and let us think that we have a, a policy to reduce poverty, okay? What we need to do? We need to diminish uh, or reduce hunger. We must increase education. We must give a good lifestyle. We must have good air, water, and uh, our resources. So it links to other goals. We must diminish our climate change uh, impact. And we should have a partnership with others. We alone can't do it. So it, any one goal, whatever is your belief, your expertise, you can start with that. It can be a driver to achieve other goals. And that in concurrence will make a good achievement for towards your economical or cultural or environmental, your objectives. And that possibly would decrease injustice. Uh, that is why I really like uh, sustainable development goals. And, and, and maybe, you know, you might wonder that these goals or targets are so big. How can I achieve all alone? Right? But you are not only one in this journey. It is something like you can contribute to this journey. So, for example, I save some energy here. It may not matter to me or anyone here, but I would say that I am saving something out of the total energy used in the world. And therefore, that energy will be diverted to someone who might need it. And those diversions are external and therefore we, we don't realize, but we need to make those connections and make it possible. I have heard stories of people like, I have done my Wi-Fi free to my neighborhood because like our Wi-Fi very low and that person made his Wi-Fi free Wi-Fi. So how beautiful that concept is, you know? And therefore I like sharing I like networking and just now we can use these uh, sustainable development goals as global or universal language to speak for sustainability. I feel like some themes that are coming up right now is like um, it's about global connectivity and globally like sharing, like understanding that we are part of a global network as well and you touched upon like the critique that has been raised against the sustainable development goals and one of these critiques is that the different goals are articulated in a language in which we also have a word for nature for example but the fact is that some languages you actually don't even have a word for nature because you don't understand the world around you as separate from us as humans and nature. And so what I'm asking is how can we secure a sustainable future globally when the language we apply, like universal sustainable development goals language, is still culturally specific 
and build on a perception of separation, actually, between, for example, planet, people, profit. In other words, how can we think holistically about these issues that we are facing if we still apply a language that separate these entities instead of looking at it holistically? You know, this language has been separated, as I already said, that we can start from our expertise. And therefore, that language has been separated. It is separated for to make it simple because people don't like complexity. If I say that, yes, I, I believe in people, I believe in planet, I believe in profit, then people might be confused how I'm doing so. But we want people to start with any one thing and then do all the things, all three things, maybe. If you are a people person in the sense of you want to be socially social person, you want people to be happy, you want people to be satisfied, you want people to have a comfortable life, okay, that's a very good idea. But then you need resources, isn't it? to provide them comfortable life and so on. And many government or many authorities have done this to provide social life to people. Then that requires resources. That requires manpower resources in a many other ways. It can be money-wise, it can be capacity-wise, anything. Yeah. So you need resources. So where will you bring these resources? These resources are coming from our economics, which means that we have to maintain our economies. And how we can maintain our economies? Because our economies uses planet's resources. So we need to manage our planet. So you start from people, you go to planet, or you start from planet, you go to people. So for example, if I manage my planet, I would be able to, because uh, my economics, you know, economics that is any businesses will use natural resources. And therefore I say that econo ecology is the capital, ecological capital is the source for economics. Any economics cannot survive if we do not have any resources. So if I'm a planet person, I care for the planet, if I keep on caring for the planet, then my economy will be not surviving, isn't it? Like I will not, if I say that, oh no, I'm not going to allow economists to use any natural resources, then I will become poor. Like I will not be able to do business or anything. So if I want to keep my economies also sustainable, I have to keep replenishing my nature, planet, and also allow it to use for economics. But then I should do it in a way that it allows that things to happen. And therefore, I have to manage my planet. I have to manage my economy. My economies are good. Then the people working through that economies or living through that economies will also be happy. So anything, though they are just uh, divided or separated for understanding, I think they are so much interlinked. So we have to go again, I said, macro view is very much needed. And it is not that we have to be macroeconomist for that. You can start from your own house, your own self. And this, this all the development goals or the separations are just the point of departure, I would say, to your journey.
towards having a whole sustainable environment for yourself and for your neighborhood and for the globally as well. Then we get a full uh, Rubik cube. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but but just one thing that you you have to do so many turns in your Rubik, isn't it? Get excited as you do, you know. Oh, I'm I'm getting this. I'm getting this. And when you get four or five ex same colors, oh, I've got four colors. I've got five colors. And then you keep on doing that. And that is what you have to keep on doing for your uh, journey to the sustainability. I think. Sustainability is also deeply embedded in power relations and also global south and global north conflicts or relations. And that is something that you also research and have a lot of experience in. So you support the research collaboration between the global south and global north and within that also between and beyond low, middle, high income countries to secure this global sustainable future. So it is actually a global movement. And as in many other sectors, this power relation between global south and north is really at work in tourism. As many of the tourists that visit the global south, they derive statistically uh, more from global north. This is a wide generalization, but within this lies the general picture that we face in tourism. And recent research has led to a lot of critique of the different economic power relations in tourism because it keeps a certain relationship between host and guest countries. And it is difficult to address and to change as it also depends on a larger historical, political and economic system. And this leads me to the following question of how you balance sustainability, but also these power relations that are also historically anchored in your work and research. How do you work with that? First, let me let me talk about, you know, just a general scenario of tourism and where people from Global North and go to Global South. Mainly people uh, from Global North can afford to go to Global South and they are the main visitors, of course, I understand. But what is missing in this tourism or in the culture of tourist, tourist culture, what happens? It is on a personal uh, basis also I have experienced that as soon as I become tourist, I look for pleasure, comfort and so on. Like I will take the taxi to go to the airport. I will take the best flight. I will go to the best restaurant or I will stay in a resort. I will have the most comfortable lifestyle for that those days because I have saved money and I want, I'm on a pleasure journey. So as soon as a person becomes a tourist, a whole different set of values are there to action them. At home, you feel that I should save energy, I should eat local food, you, you are on many things that are sustainable. But as soon as you become a tourist, I've seen the difference that it, it is just uh, different. And so the basic changes should come there first on a personal level. As an industry, tourism have to now definitely recover 
and especially in this COVID, they have been impacted so much. And I have read a WTO report just recently that many, many countries like seeds, uh, like a small island and uh, other countries have like they have uh, income from tourism about 10 to going to 30% GDP. And therefore, they need to make tourism as sustainable as possible and also recover back to the same uh, number of uh, income it, it had. So I will share an example of Maldives. Maldives, uh, what they have done, they have... Uh, they have a resort, only one resort in one island, which means that it has to be local. It has to uh, have all the energy uh, from its local resources, like it should be self and uh, self-sufficient with energy. It should recruit local people. It should serve local food. And such a fantastic way they have done to localize while diminishing their uh, global impact and also uh, becoming as sustainable and giving a very unique, very unique experience to the tourist. So that is what I want each one to think that what unique experience they can give. Mainly people go with a very general idea of, okay, let us have uh, five cuisine or continental cuisine in our restaurant. But why don't you serve something local and be creative of it and serve that? I think that would be a better experience to any tourist rather than having a continental because that is available everywhere. So I think each one in the tourism sector has to think about this. And also when there are, you know, international investors for tourism, they are loads they must think that how they can bring, be beneficial to the local people and not become an invader to them and um, make them lose their own businesses and skills. And that is what is needed for the investor also to think that how can they better uh, be effective in uh, in sustainability and uh, uh, future tourism. So these are all issues which are great. Now, talking about the power, I completely agree that there is a, if you have power, you can do better choices. You can uh, take care of your sustainability and so on. But this is not visible in many, many power-related institutions or entities. I would say, why can't you take your own power? So think of how can you take your own power? How can you become your leader? You can start from your home, your own personal choices, your workplace choices, and so on. And I would say why you are still allowing power to power you. Just take your own, be your own power, be your own leader. And that will allow you to make changes. And it is something like, you know, Gandhi has said, be a change to make a change. So you do your change, take power in your own hands. And I think you will be able to influence others. 
originally in October 2020, I encountered one, you know, incidence where there were many early career researchers from Global South. And it was surprising that no one, not a single researcher from Global North was there to address them. And I was invited to talk to them. It was a great opportunity for me, of course, but I was just also very sad or or it was it was a shame that I couldn't find or I could not see that global any researchers from Global North had time or maybe resources or whatsoever, maybe contact to come over and help them. Okay, so I thought that I just decided that they, I must start something which can help us to connect. And that has grown so much. Today, I have 1,250 coordinators from 123 countries and equally, equally distributed in Global South and Global North and equally distributed between low, middle and high income countries and equally distributed between academics and uh, businesses. And we are doing ample of like good things or maybe at least something towards, uh, you know, creating this awareness of uh, sustainable development goals, doing some research projects, sharing best practices in sustainability and talking about how we should shape or co-create our you also said it in the beginning of your answer about like the tourist and also the tourist um, changing behavior and in the tourism research that i know of um, it has not been proven really that tourists from the global north will pay more or behave differently in order to ensure that their holidays in the global south have more beneficial effects for the local communities like you will have some research that's saying that but you also have a lot of research that's not saying that maybe because people want to enjoy themselves and take the cab and live a more luxurious kind of lifestyle and even if a person was to be very considerate about his her or their environmental impact or social culturally impact international travel is still driven by unsustainable consumption of fossil fuels. And so you have this wicked problem because on the one hand, if one really wants to practice sustainability, we need to consume less. So for example, to fly less, but we also have these destinations, as you just said, like the island destinations. We also have natural parks and local governments and tourism entrepreneurs on these islands, for example, that really depend on annual tourism revenue and foreign currency exchange. So to me, this is a really concrete example of this global economy in crisis, because on the one hand, we need maybe to consume less in order to avoid these unjust value change and environmental hurting resource extractions. But at the same time, we have also built a system on these things. And so we have countries that completely depend on this tourism trade, for example, with Global North. So how do you work in this oxymoron of a problem? It is a very difficult question. And I I know that uh, these natural parks and local governments, and I have heard of many countries, like, for example, Africa is building on wild economy is like, they, they are so much, you know, proud of their wild capital. And they can make ample of good revenue from that. 
and therefore they are trying to now make it as sustainable as possible and they are saying they have now come up with a new idea after this covid and reco- for the recovery and for tourism that wild economy or wild tourism likewise colombia has come up with their natural capital uh, was ranked about 11 in 140 countries it is around that figure but their sustainability was ranked about 51 in 140 countries. So you can see then they found out this relationship that if they maintain these, then they would be able to uplift sustainability as well. So they were very down in sustainability. So they can use this capital, which they have natural resources to increase that sustainability. This is again going to my old point that anything can work as your driver and you can achieve a bigger and a coherent interlink your objectives of sustainability. I agree with you, many countries are depending on tourism and they need people. But what would I say? What do generally people do? They travel short distances several times just because they have some money at that time and they do not go long distances. So it also depends on your your own personal things. So you have to balance where you want to go, how you want to go, how sustainable it is to go, and all it again depends on you. While at the same time, it depends on the tourist places where they should be able to, you know, um, manage their transportation within that location. In India also, I remembered a place called Matheran where you are allowed only to go on horses inside. So as soon as you reach the destination, you have to park your car. It is like park and ride, you know, but you have to go by horses and only horses are allowed there. Now in Abu, where in India, you can never use plastic bag there. So some of these things have to be implemented to make them sustainable. And also it only shows the value, you know, value, what you value. And it also gives a learning to tourists that what should they be doing with one action, they might feel, okay, if they are carrying a plastic bag, I should take this back to my home. I should do the same or if they are carrying with the plastic bag, I should not misuse other resources as well. So these are the things where needs to be created. Very, very small changes at personal level, at system level, at organizational level. I think we need changes everywhere. And that only can bridge this problem. It is not a one individual solution there. Uh, or not a one individual person can do it, or not individual institution can do it, not individual country can do it. Everyone has to make it possible with variety of solutions depending on their own context and reality. We are now at our final three questions. So for a person who wants to think further about sustainable development, where is a good place to start this journey? 
Well, I think I have said this several times in this talk. It is own self, own house, own workplace, just as you have done with your own self and I have done with my own research or work or own self also. Like you can see my white hairs. <laughs> I have stopped dying. I, I gradually build up this, actually. I first stopped strengthening my hair just to save energy. Then I had to stop coloring my hair. I have also served as a manager for this charity retail shop for two years. And I did my first research there of diverting solid waste uh, from landfill. So, And I was able to divert 90% of solid waste to recycling, so not going to the landfill in these retail shops. And I was very proud of that, and that made me get going on this journey. And just now I am raising my grandson, like uh, it is my daughter doing everything, but we are taking care of making him as sustainable as possible. Like we teach him each and everything and explain him why he need to wear these clothes, why he need to behave like this, why he need to do this, and just making sure that he understands this sustainability right from his childhood. So I think it, it, you have to do your own things, be aware. If you don't know, get and talk to people because social media and YouTube is so common nowadays. Listen to things and try to understand. Well, what I want to say to young people like you have, you are ex, uh, exemplar, but I would say that, you know, for young people, they have to, they are trendy. They like trends. They like new things, right? So they should become trendy in sustainability. Like they should advocate sustainability. They are the basic advocators for sustainability because they are going to be the future managers of this future earth. And they are going to pass these to our newer generation, isn't it? So I think young people should be get into this trend of becoming sustainability because they are so creative. And I think they, this creative mind should be employed for sustainability. What gives you a sense of belonging and hope for our world at this moment when traveling? I have not traveled at all during this current pandemic. Uh, since it was announced here in 20 March, I am in uh, home working. But I have been to many places. I know uh, what I want. but. I see ample of opportunities. You know, I'm a person to look at opportunities when challenges come. And there are ample of opportunities. We have, of course, we have less time. And so everyone needs to recognize this opportunity. Everyone needs to work towards it, take actions. And I feel that I'm a traveler as well in this journey and I'm learning every day a new thing, how to manage my time, how to manage my resources, how to share, how to speak to people, what people want, because that also we don't know. We talk about inequalities, but we never know. Many of them have no opportunity to speak about it even. So speak to people, even that can help. I think there are several opportunities 
and of course i belong to the whole world i don't see myself belonging to just of course i am i am for local place but but i am a world citizen i feel that way if our listeners want to follow your step on the screen track that you're on and learn more about your work, your publications and talks? Where can they follow you and stay updated on your work? Well, LinkedIn account is one of the best to get in touch with me or follow. Uh, I have YouTube channel as well. I have other social media channels as well, like Instagram, Twitter, uh, WhatsApp and many others like but uh, i think uh, youtube is good place to listen but also to engage is linkedin and uh, uh, yeah recently i have also started a tv channel on past tv so pzaz tv they they are going to offer my channel for free So anyone can tune in and stream into the videos which we produce as part of our Global Sustainable Futures Network. Thank you so much for joining this podcast and this journey. And it's really important to think about all the hopes that are there. So thank you. Thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure to share this dialogue with you. Dear listener, Thank you for joining us on episode 8 on The Green Track. I felt in this episode that I had to stay open-minded towards a higher focus on the individual's responsibility, which is a general understanding of what sustainable development means, and it often underlines um, sustainable tourism, quote-unquote, development strategies. We will continue our journey And this was a really important destination to reach, so I'm glad we got here. Thank you so much for listening. Before we hit our next destination in the form of a new episode, I want to end this Green Track journey with the following quote from Dr. Vanuka Takova. Coming from prehistoric time in the sense of like, you know, we have to sustain our life, but we never thought about new things as sustaining our nature, sustaining our economy, and so on. We have always thought about sustaining just ourselves, myself maybe, for me, or ourselves, or maybe our family. But we haven't thought about a whole big global environment as ours, and we have never owned that global earth is ours, and we need to care. And we are the carers. This this type of understanding has been rare.